Hi, Anna. Hi, Sim. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> where are you? Tell me where you I'm are. I'm in Italy talking to you, Sim. Yes. So we can do updates and ad reads. <laughs> well, first of all, it's... It's it's 10 in the morning for you, and it's midnight for me. And you're the one that sounds annoyed? How dare you? And I'm in Italy. You're the one having the time of your life. And I'm such a jerk. Oh, my God. Uh, I miss you, Sib. How's everything? I miss everything? you, too. Everything is great. Baby time is around the corner. We'll see. How, how late is it there? It's like, it's, it's like, you know, I don't know, like 12, 15, 12, 30. This used to be early for me, but now I've become incredibly old. Well, you also go to bed early too, right? You don't go to bed past like what? 9, 10 PM. Yeah, it's true. It's sad. So will you tell me, will you tell me what you're doing in Italy? Um, I'm on vacation and it's amazing. And I pretend to speak Italian, and I only know, like, three phrases, but everyone compliments me. Are you getting recognized? Sometimes, yeah. But, you know, I'll say the same thing. Like, I'm really sorry I don't speak well. And then somebody will say a version of, like, no, 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 you do. You speak really well. And then they'll start to sort of elaborate or, like, enter into a conversation. And then it's like, dove il bagno, which means where's the bathroom, of course. <laughs> That's your escape plan. I love it. I say, grazie mille, grazie mille. Tove il bagno. <laughs> oh, my God. That's adorable. I love that. I love that. Uh, all right. So we've got a lot to get to before we get to Maya Bialik. First of all, I want to give everyone and you, Anna, an update on Megan's situation. Do you remember Megan? Megan was from Logan Browning's episode. She wanted to try and have a long-distance relationship with her boyfriend when he was about to go abroad instead of taking a break. But then he told her that he didn't see a future with her. But things were going really well. And she still wanted to stay together before he leaves to go out of the country. And you told Megan that she shouldn't just stay with him because of routine. Logan told Megan that people treat you like you allow them to treat you and advise Megan to know her own worth and not to operate out of fear. And you even told Megan to tell the guy to study abroad and see how he reacts. Either he'll grow to miss her and love her more deeply while he's away, or she'll be initiating the breakup. Either way, she is asserting her maturity and ensuring whatever happens is on her terms. So that was your advice, Anna. She actually wrote to us and told us what's going on. So Megan writes to us, It's Megan. I'm writing to update you on my relationship issues. We spoke with Logan Browning about my boyfriend of two years having told me he doesn't see a future with me, and I was heartbroken and confused as to what to do. Well, we're broken up. Shortly after we spoke on the phone, he announced that he accepted a summer internship in a different state. He then told me he was signing an apartment lease with a classmate of his for a fall semester at school. I was shocked. The advice you gave was incredible, and I was planning on going to him to address these issues and discuss what would happen with us moving forward, but he clearly decided on his own that we were breaking up. He just didn't tell me. On a positive note, as heartbroken as I was, I wanted to make the best of the little time we had left, so we spent the last week we had in L.A. being a real couple, going on dates, having crazy sex, eating at our favorite places, stuff we hadn't done in a long time. I also told him that I wanted to have some closure on the relationship and asked him to come to me with things he thought we did really well and things he thought were more of an issue for us. 
The last night we had together was heartbreaking, beautiful, and I'm glad we got to have that experience together. We are both living through the breakup in different ways, and we're still in contact, which I haven't decided how I feel about that yet, but I wanted to let you guys know how much I took to heart what you said, and I appreciate your advice, unqualified as it is. Again, I love you and what you do. I feel very fortunate that I was able to talk to you, and I hope it helps anyone else out there going through the same or similar situation. Best, Megan. Wow. I love you, Megan, and thank you so much for updating us. And that sounds like an incredibly mature way to deal with a breakup, and I'm really glad that as hard as it is that you ended things sort of as positively as possible. I'm just glad it ended. I was hoping that it was... I, I, yeah. You know, I I don't care if it was was him doing the breaking up or her. I just wanted it to end, and I'm glad it ended sooner than later. Yeah, me too. So do you remember also on that same episode, Malia, she was rejected from her professional dance team? Yes, Do yeah. you remember that? And she was asking for advice. I mean, she was devastated. You know what? Leah got a lot of positive feedback. It, w- it was really great to read all of it. I'm just going to read a couple of things here. This is from Leah, and Leah wrote in, Hey guys, I just listened to your episode with Logan Browning, and I think you are completely spot on with your advice to Malia. I went to an art school for college and totally saw similar situations happen with myself and my friends there. What I found is that when something you love, like dance or visual art, comes naturally to you, and you're always given really positive feedback on how talented you are, you start to identify with that good feedback. The problem is, if you enter a highly competitive environment, like art school or Malia's dance tryout, everyone has those same talents. That means that getting past rejection or criticism is really challenging because it feels like a threat to your identity not just one little bump in the road. I can't speak for Malia, but it sounds like that's a little bit of what's happening with her. The thing is, in situations like that, rising to that new higher standard is usually what you need to do to keep improving. It sounds like Malia has learned all she can from the environments where she's practiced dance before, and it might be time for her to step out of her comfort zone again if she wants to keep getting better and pursuing her dream. Basically, you guys nailed it, and she should definitely keep at it. I'd also recommend she checks out the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert, which has a lot of great stuff about creativity and how to pursue your passions and live a creative life while also being happy and not feeling like you need to suffer for your art. Anyways, basically just wanted to say that I agree with you. Thanks so much for putting the podcast together. I love listening to you both and thanks for all the great advice. Listening to the show is seriously a highlight of my week and I love to hear what you guys are up to. Thanks, Leah. Thank you so much for your feedback, Leah, and all of our listeners. It means a lot to us, and it means a lot to our other listeners. We really appreciate it. Anna, we also got an email from Malia's best friend. Hi there, my name is Aubrey, and you had my best friend Malia on the show a few weeks ago, and it aired last week. I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to talk to her about the rejection she recently experienced from the dance team. She's an amazing dancer, and even better friend, FYI, and that rejection broke her heart and her spirit. Malia and I have spent endless nights with bottles of cheap red wine and pints of Ben and Jerry watching the house bunny grieving boy troubles (laughs) or family troubles or school troubles or whatever troubles surfaced. No matter how bad, I knew we would get through it because we had each other. But this time around, I could not be there to comfort her with ice cream and wine and make her laugh with my embarrassing personal stories and my wildly inappropriate jokes because I moved across the country. No more girls' nights in, no more getting wine drunk on Wednesday. 
FaceTime keeps us close, but in times of sadness, nothing makes us feel better than the endless laughter one of our girls' nights can provide. Q, unqualified. After being on your show, I started to hear the spark come back in her voice. She is still disappointed, but being able to talk to you, Anna, it was like one of our girls' nights. It made her feel special. It made her feel loved. It made her feel like the rejection wasn't so bad. So thank you. Thank you guys for stepping in and making her feel better when I could not. Thank you for helping my best friend remember how amazing she really is. Oh my God. Lots of love, I want to cry. Aubrey, thank you so much. It's amazing to have a friendship like that. And I'm so glad that even though you, uh, you guys are apart from each other, that you still have each other's back and still have a lot of love for each other. That feels really rare. And thank you so much for writing in. And now here's my Bialik. <laughs> thank you. I love you all. So Anna has kittens right now. She's delivering no. three kittens to Stop Mayim. Stop it. This is the best gift ever. Thank you. I'll leave with them. What? Oh, oh. I was watching your YouTube video. <laughs> are these siblings? Yeah. Of course they three, are. Three little boys. And um, we, we truly got them like two days it's ago. It's like a snow leopard in your hand. They're beautiful. How old? Um, eight weeks? Yeah. Nine weeks? I mean, they're pretty well developed. Ooh, they're so plump. And apparently they're going to be huge. It's, yeah, that's, you know. They're going to get huge like a lion. Hi. But I loved, I was so, I really like your, your YouTube video about the benefits of cats, like yes. the pros of cats. I was like, oh, I'm a crazy oh, cat lady. I have geez. four, but I can take one more. <laughs> I can. Mayim, will you tell me how to pronounce your last name? Bialik. Bialik. Like a Biali. Bialik. Which only certain people know. I love about Bialis. Bialis. There you go. I like them more than bagels. Are Bialis uh, like... It's a different dough. But it, oh, it's a, but is it always served with onions? Bialis typically have the... They're kind of like soft onions. Back. Like, like a little slightly caramelized. Exactly. But like a little bit like a McDonald's onion for those of you who, you know, like it's soggy, but then with the poppy seeds. But it's a different dough. It's not a bagel. Do you bake a lot? I do. I love that. Do you have you ever made bagels? I tried once. I, yeah, it, that, that's something that it's not just because like we don't have New York water. It's something that doesn't work very well at home. You need a factory, I think, to make a bagel. And a lot of experience. <laughs> My mom is. Uh, she makes the most amazing bread. She used mm -hmm. to teach like a bread making class. It's anyway, an art. It is, and she and she'll be able to feel the dough <laughs> and know yeah. if it's like. I can do that with certain things that I bake. Like, like I what? just know, I don't know, I just know how it's supposed to feel. Like I was actually making pancakes the other day for my kids. No flax seeds, they were yelling from the other room. <laughs> I sneak them in anyway. Um, but anyway, like I don't measure anymore. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is, this comes with like the experience of being a woman. <laughs> like I can make a pancake batter without that measuring. Like I just know what it should feel like, look like anyway. I sort of feel like I can do that with like sautéing things. Right. But not with baking. I can't. I don't know. But my mom's always like, Ani, you are going to come up to Washington and I'm going to teach you once again how to make bread. Once again. And it takes all day. Oh, it's a it's a full commitment. Yeah. But then, it, man, it's good bread. I used to make challah for Shabbat, which starts for the Jews Friday night. And I used to make it 
pretty religiously as it were every week. But yeah, it becomes your entire day before the sun sets is making that bread. It rises three times. It's like a whole thing. God. Yeah. I bet it's really good. It was really good. Yeah. Damn. I know. Why aren't we doing this on Saturday? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, hey, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for being here. I know it's a trek and I really appreciate it. It's actually not as far into this part of town as I feared. Okay. So I'm glad to be here and glad that it's not as far as I anticipated. Well, I really, really appreciate it. No, it's lovely to be here. And I know that you and I, we... I was telling Sim, like, we've talked a bit about, like, how actresses, actors, I have a, I have complicated feelings about both terms, that we meet at, like, these events. Well, like, we, like we're in the Chuck Lorre universe, where, like, we both, you know, we, we meet at things where we have this, we have a camaraderie of sorts, because we both, you know, work in that universe, but, yeah. But it's like the, those, like, that thing where it's like, I, we have this big thing in common and like you, you feel it at like whatever stupid Hollywood uh, fucking shit that you have to go through. <laughs> but like there's sort of this light frivolous, it's not frivolous necessarily because you do have this massive thing in common, right. which is like sort of being a woman uh, under examination or whatever. <laughs> and just thinking about like, oh my God, you look amazing. No, you look amazing. <laughs> or like, and there isn't really a chance to actually get to know each other. No. And when people like ask like, what's it like being in the industry? It's like a lot of surface stuff is what it's like. You don't really get to connect with a lot of people on a daily basis, which like as someone who was a child actor, that's one of the reasons that I wanted to go to college because I wanted to have different kinds of conversations. And there's a place for the work that we do and the way that we have to conduct ourselves. Um, but yeah, a lot of times I feel like you can even work with people and not really know them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and for me, you know, a while back before I was working on mom, I had this fantasy of, um, having like, uh, cause I was so envious of like the comedian boys club. <laughs> like how they all develop their own movies and then they'll all like do cameos or mm-hmm. whatever they all so I had this idea of like doing a brunch with like people like a monthly brunch with people that I admire and with no agenda just simply mm-hmm. so we could get to know each other outside of those like frivolous encounters mm-hmm. where everything's loud and your agents are over there and then there's like the dude you're supposed to say hi to right. before he leaves <laughs> I think you know what dude I'm talking about. (laughs) And with the house bunny being the exception, I I just didn't get to work with that many women. Yeah. So it felt like I don't have any actress friends. Well, and I think that's something interesting that like, you know, I'm not looking for like the sympathy of the American public for like, oh, poor my banana. They don't get to make friends like other people. But but, like when when you think about like the experience of being a woman in particular, like so much of our social life, you know, is and should be around like meeting people and talking and hanging out and learning about people. But we don't have the opportunity to do that the same way because like I generally freak people out even like if I'm just like getting a coffee at a place. Like what are you doing here? Why are you here? Can we take a picture? Like that's usually my interaction with people. So it's really kind of odd and funny when you actually meet people like yourself, you know, who want to connect on a different level. And I think it's so amazing like that you do this because – 
there are people behind, you know, the faces and the dresses and all the things that people think of when they think of women in particular. But yeah, like it's very important for us to connect still. And we can't just live in our house. Like it's me and my kids most of the time. Right. You know? I, I mean, I do. Sim knows how hard it is for me to leave the house. Yeah. And because believe it or not, most of the time, I feel like an I, I feel like I'm an introvert and mm-hmm. and acting for me is a way to escape through other characters and it sort of stimulates my curiosity. So one of the joys that I get out of doing the podcast is getting to talk to our listeners without sort of the focus being on like you know what was your first job or how sure. you know um Although I do love to talk about myself. (laughs) As I'm saying this, I'm such a fucking hypocrite. (laughs) But yeah, and I imagine that you've experienced that forever. Do you have a lot of friends that are outside of the industry? Yeah, I think most of my friends are not in the industry. Most of my friends are people that I've known for a long time or um, who I've met really when I was not in the industry, meaning when I, I took 12 years off, you know, um, yeah, when I, when I lived among the normal people, <laughs> um, I can uh, interact, you know, fine <laughs> with people in the industry, but in general, I tend to be seen as like cerebral and I'm not that good at the Hollywood stuff. And that can be kind of isolating And it's a source of a lot of insecurity for me. And uh, I'm a person who lives with uh, like active social anxiety. And I think a lot of that for me is fueled by being uh, an introverted extrovert or an extroverted introvert. Uh, I get really, really depleted from interacting with a lot of people. And it's sort of part of my, it is, it's part of my job and it's part of the publicity machine, you know, that runs our lives. So I often don't know what to do at parties. You know, that's not a comfortable place for me. And so I think that's why a lot of my friends are outside of the industry because I don't necessarily naturally gravitate towards Hollywood people. Like your freshman year of college was it, I'm sure your identity was being a very successful actor. And so did you get yelled at across the quad a lot? Yes. (laughs) Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. <laughs> harassed by drunken frat boys at parties to say whoa yes <laughs> I did this training video for Red Robin when I was in college my character was like the perfect hostess and I remember one time I was like walking across campus and this girl comes running up to me and she's like oh my god I just got a job at Red Robin and you are in the training video and it was like I got like all heady. I was like, yeah, that was me. Like my first brush with fame. Fame and glory. Really? That's the glory. Yeah. But my line in the training video was like, I pick up the phone. I was playing the perfect hostess. I pick up the phone. I'm like, thanks for calling Red Robin. You know, we're here for all your, you know, whatever. Burger needs. Yeah. (laughs) Burger needs. Whatever the fuck I was saying. 
And then I hang up the phone and I say directly into camera, <laughs> here at Red Robin, we always give good phones. Stop it! <laughs> what? <laughs> we always give good phone. Not and okay. I knew at the time, I was like, fuck, I hope nobody sees this. Because <laughs> the whole crew is laughing. That's the only time I've made a crew laugh, I think. <laughs> I think that, um, I don't know if that's better than being recognized for being on a sitcom for five years, but it's certainly more amusing (laughs) than my experiences. It was very strange. It was strange walking basically off of the television and onto a campus. But also the world of television was very different in the early 90s. And how do you mean? There were only three networks. And viewership was very, very different. You know, Blossom was up against Monday Night Football for many years, which meant that our audience was very specific. We were really the only show at at that time about a girl, which we were told would never fly. You know, when we when Don Rio created this show, uh, we were told, you know, girls will watch girls and girls will watch boys, but boys will not watch girls. And we were not as successful, you know, as like the Big Bang Theory in terms of viewership. We were not You know, sometimes we were in the top 20, but the world was very different then. People weren't sitting in front of their TVs like they do now. Like, I think children were actually on their bikes back in the 90s, whereas now we have such a greater focus on on television and viewership. So I was very recognizable, absolutely. But there was no kind of like publicity machine. There was no internet back then. I mean, sorry, the internet existed, but it was not in the lives of individual actors in their teens. Um, you know, at 14, I I looked 14 and at 16, I still looked pretty sweet and 16, whereas 16 year old girls now, like their whole identity is so different. Yes. Especially the ones who are in the public eye. So it was very different. You know, a lot of people were like, eh, that girl was blossom. Ha ha ha. It wasn't like it is now if you or I would, you know, go sit in a, you know, intro to neuroscience class at UCLA, um, the scope of celebrity was very different then. And it allowed me to go to college and, you know, be discriminated against for being an actress for sure. You know, I had professors um, who said like, you should probably go back to acting, you know, and I had a professor bring, bring his children to my final. Really? Yeah. He brought his children to meet me. And like, this is also like, keep in mind, I grew up in a time when when I would go for like doctor's checkups as a kid, nurses would bring their kids to come and see me. And I'm thinking like, are they reading all of my medical charts or just some of them? You know, like the world was different then. I mean, you know, before HIPAA laws and before the notion of privacy that we have. So in some ways it was, I think, harder. In some ways it was easier. I did. Uh, listen, I'm going to talk about all my early work. <laughs> I, did, I did a yammy yogurt commercial a regional commercial. Did you give good yogurt up in Seattle? And I was hired because I had a really round face. And because they, they were promoting their new frozen yogurt line and I'm eating like, it's a close up of me. And I think I was 14, but I looked about eight. (laughs) Anyway, it's this close up of me eating frozen yogurt And my mom off camera says, Amy, are you eating ice cream? And I say, not anymore. (laughs) As and like all through high school, like just walking down the locker bay, it was like, not anymore. Oh, wow. Not like it was I was so like, granted, it was it was an embarrassing commercial. But I also think that at least when I was growing up acting, I mean, we were the nerdiest of the nerds. Uh. It, it, they called us the bat cavers. Um, 
<laughs> and uh, so, and now there's a there's you know a much more of um, an overt worship of celebrity, um, and I'm sure you probably notice like when kids are like. You know, when you ask them what they want to be, sure. when they grow up, they want to be famous. Right. And I that- had a big conversation with my, my older son about this. We were talking about how I, I protect them from a lot of social media and stuff. And he was like, but why? You know, look, like being famous seems like fun. So then we had a whole mama conversation about like, well, it's complicated and there's different, but there's, it's true. I never thought about being famous when I was a kid, even when I was a child actor. Right. That wasn't like a thing. Do, do your kids resent it though at all? I think they do. <laughs> like, I think this is a problem that I'm realizing that they're part fascinated by the fact that like when they're watching they watch sports, but like that sometimes they see my face on the television as an, you know, an, an ad for Big Bang Theory. They don't watch the Big Bang Theory, but they watch things that advertise it. Or we were reading Mad Magazine because that's how we roll in my family. <laughs> like speaking of bat cavers, we are the ultimate nerd family. And I was in Mad Magazine. Like I didn't know. And like my, my he would think he was eight at the time. He's like, Mama, you're in this issue. I said, Fred, you must be mistaken. And sure enough, there was Mama. Like, I think that that's fascinating to them. And they have friends who watch Big Bang Theory, of course. But I think there is also an aspect of they share me, you know, with the world. And my work can be very all-consuming in a way that other Mama's jobs aren't. And if you're out and about, yeah, and of course you're getting recognized, right. and and you have to devote a certain amount of energy to that element, um, and and dear listeners, I don't like. I hope this doesn't come across as like, our lives are so hard. We don't have friends, so and we have to go to Whole Foods so early in the morning when there's not a lot of people. There. I send Michael Sherman, <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't get the right mayonnaise. <laughs> I like full fat. <laughs> <laughs> but um no but but the, but I do wonder like how like my son he's about to turn 6. Yeah, he's and, little. Yeah. But I do and I do wonder like how it, like you know it's sort of special circumstances when anytime he goes out with either mm-hmm. Chris or myself that there is that element yeah. of it's just different from you know, from other kids, although he goes to a school where there's like a shit ton of celebrities, so whatever. Right. But well, it's um, nice you've provided him an environment where he feels comfortable, yeah. you know. And he's like, my mom's only in television. It's <laughs> <laughs> amazing. No, but I think it's, uh, I think it, it's something that I think around that age, you know, we started to have, you know, my boys are almost 10, almost 13, but we started to have conversations. I remember the first time that my son realized that like I could do funny voices and that like I had acting talent that was amusing to him as Uh a little guy and we used to have this thing they would want me to like whatever when I was when we were like eating dinner they would want me to do like pretend commercials for the things that we were eating oh my god that's amazing and it would make them laugh because like I would do I like you know I can do accents because like I'm an actor and it's part of sometimes like what we do so I would also do like bedtime stories they'd be like okay this one with your Bronx accent mama like do it like a southerner you know like mama read goodnight moon like you're Irish like read it like you're a cockney like all these things and it was it was a realization that it's not just my job like this is part of my skill set as as a human is that like I do things that can entertain like my children hopefully if no one else but I remember they were freaked out by it. Like, Mama does good voices. Mama I does s- accents. I so want you to 
uh, do a Bronx accent no, with this <laughs> Icelandic water. My parents are from the Bronx, and so like it's just kind of the way that I was raised speaking. But <laughs> there's come no. on, come on, no, I just can't. read, just read, I, just read, just read the 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 type there. Over 5,000 years ago, long before the first humans reached Remote Island, a massive volcanic eruption created a unique underground spring complete with its own natural filtration system, pristine lava rock. <laughs> that's also, that's the, the, the emphasis that my parents give everything. This is the origin of Icelandic glacial natural spring water. Source of an epic life. <laughs> Sorry, that's kind of what my childhood was like. And also, oh pleasant bedtime stories also sounded like Al Pacino, like oh. sitting, reading Good Night oh Moon God, to I'm me. So, I'm so tempted and, to like, <laughs> get my Good Night Moon book. Can I? Can I please? No. Yes, please. Where's Michael Sherman? He can go find it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like this for the next hour. I hope you're okay with that. As long as there's cats at the end. She's going to bring one book and then another one, and then she's going to ask you different accents, and this is what the entire podcast is going to turn into. So, dear listeners, strap in. Oh, oh. Found it. <laughs> this is, <laughs> is this autographed by Dr. Seuss himself? No. Okay. This is one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, the way my parents read it to me. <laughs> one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. <laughs> Black fish, blue fish, old fish, new fish. This one has a little star. This one has a little car. <laughs> Say, what a lot of fish there are. <laughs> yes, yeah, some are red and some are blue. Some are old, some are new, some are sad, some are glad. <laughs> and some are very, very bad. <laughs> Why are they sad and glad and bad? I don't know. Go ask your dad. <laughs> I think that's probably enough. <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Anytime. Um, <laughs> So, okay, a couple of things that I wanted to ask you. I saw your really thoughtful video about co-parenting. Oh. And it really resonated with me because of all the life changes right. that are going on. And I loved how you put it into perspective in terms of, like, you know, never, like, talking shit about pretty much, like, anybody, I think, in <laughs> general, but protecting the stress of your children and I thought that was just really wise and I and takes a lot of self-control. But would you mind talking a little bit about that for sure. our listeners? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I started a YouTube channel. I started a website called Rock Nation because I was looking to express more of myself as a writer and in particular as a mom. And I got divorced when my kids were four and seven. So, it, you know, it's been five years or so. And I also started a YouTube channel um, as a way to express more of myself in a way that a lot of people are getting information, which is, you know, through video, obviously through podcast. And what I've decided is basically to write as if I'm not a celebrity, to write the things that I want to communicate and process for myself and see if there's other people who want to hear that. So I don't think of it like, here are my Ambialics tips for how to get a divorce, you know? Um, 
like the the notion of you know this sort of like conscious uncoupling, right? Like when Gwyneth Paltrow talked about that, and people were like, "What a silly term!" I was like, "No, I get it. Like I get it. This is what a lot of us are experiencing." So that video in particular, which is you know one of our our highest viewed videos, um, it's on you know kind of divorce, but that sort of fallout in particular when you have children to deal with and. What I will say, you know, I may or may not have had a very intense hour-long conversation with my older son, uh, indicating that even five years later, you know, the impact of divorce is is real. Like, a divorce is is not something that, you know, celebrities do because we didn't think that there were other ways to live life. And in particular, you know, people being so critical of people in the public eye. Like, shit happens to us, too, you know? Um, so that video... Except in- for actual shit. We right. don't do that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, So that video really was the wisdom that's been shared with me, which I have found to be sound and true from my ex and I went to a a therapist through the process of our divorce and even several times after, because we knew that if we made babies together, parented them together, we were going to have to raise them together as well. We do divorced family outings. We do divorced family um, holidays. And was it hard at first? Absolutely. It was really painful. It's a bit better now, but it's still hard, you know? And I remember the first weekend that we physically were not living in the same home anymore, my older son got sick, you know? He got, like, like the worst cold ever. And he laid on that couch and cried for his father all day. And here I was, like... I raised him. I nursed him. I was it all the time before he even had consciousness. Um, And he just cried for his dad. And it took everything in me to not scream like, he's not here now. I'm what you've got. Shush. (laughs) And instead, I did what I was told to do, which was to not move away from those feelings, which is so hard because I always wanted to be like, let's make a card about how much you miss him. And I was told not to distract away from that, but to say, yep, it's hard. And I miss being a family sometimes too. Like, wow. Right. Because kids know when you're not being sincere. And if I would have said to them, like, it's fine, we're fine, we're going to be fine. They would have known. Right. I was not fine. Right. I'm still not fine sometimes, you know? So I've tried to be honest with my kids in a way that my parents didn't know to because that generation of parents often had to be like, everything's fine. Everything's under control. Oh, we just had a big fight, but we don't talk about it. Everything's fine. I don't want to raise my kids like that. And I'm very envious of people who didn't get divorced. And even though our lives are okay and can be okay, it's hard and that's real. And that's our life. And it sucks. You know, it sucks sometimes. I love it that you're candid with your kids and you, you show them that respect of, of being candid. Yeah. Because they're, you know, they're, they're headed for their own adventures. Correct. And especially I think for us raising boys, you know, like, you, you want them to be sensitive and like connected to feelings. And I actually just made another video about what you do with all the stuff from your wedding and life when you have a kid. Because that event was still the union that made them, you know, essentially. I can't just throw that away. That's part of their life. They want to see what their grandparents looked like, you know, right, right. before they were of born. Course. So it's been a real process of like, you know, assessing like, what do you keep? What do you keep emotionally? What do you keep attachment to? And also like, there's so much growth through heartbreak and struggle that there, that it is interesting to keep some of those memories to give you perspective Mm -hmm. on 
on where you were exactly. and how you've grown or probably in my case, not grown. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that as a society, we're sort of pressured to make these very permanent decisions at a young age, you know, and and sort of not like the freedom of of change for all people should be sort of granted, I, I think. For women in particular, like no one told me that I wouldn't really have a handle on myself until I was almost out of my fertile years. But yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Like, just... <laughs> no, like my mom never mentioned that. Like OPS, your 20s are going to be very rough, especially as someone who struggles with mental health stuff. Like 20s are so hard. And then your 30s, you're going to be like angry at yourself for what you messed up in your 20s and trying to write it. And then, oh, by the time you get to 40, when people are then calling you geriatric, if you want right. to have a baby, then you might finally feel like, oh, I get who I am. But like, it took me till I was 40 to be like, oh, this is what social anxiety looks like for me. Here's how I can manage it. So I don't destroy every relationship and event that I go to. Like, that's a long time. And my kids have lived through that, right? They've lived through me learning. And in some ways that's beautiful. And in some ways it's really hard and I wish it wasn't so. Right. And I think for men, it's a lot different, you know? And like now I'm dealing with like, oh, the hormones of being 40. No one told me that either. That like, oh, your midwife's going to stamp you as like perimenopause. What? Like I'm a scientist and no one like didn't occur to me. Like it did not occur to me that as you like enter the time when you know yourself, let's throw in hormonal shifts that make you act like a different person. <laughs> and it's see like, what happens? Guess what? You're halfway through. <laughs> exactly. Like you're almost dead is what evolution's <laughs> telling me. Like we don't need you anymore. We will make you impossible for anyone to deal with. You're also, a witch. You're going to, right. You're going to grow hair on your chin and then you're going to lose it on your head. You'll get weird veins to the back of your knees that no one should think about, but I do. <laughs> Anyway. Um, Sim, Sim is look at Sim. He's been so silent. He so he's having a a baby boy in three months. Everything's gonna get better. I promise. <laughs> I'm speechless right now. I don't know what to say. I'm just taking it all in. Sorry. That that was amazing. No, but my wife is. She says it all the time. She said, "You have no idea how lucky you are to be a boy." She says it all the time, and I'm quickly understanding. That she's right. Oh, I mean, all of history is also geared towards favoring men and all of religion, too. So y'all have a lot working in your favor. But yeah, the hormonal challenges that we deal with, the complexity of expectations for like a women's movement that we needed, you know, the right to vote that we had to fight for, for so like literally forever. Like I have to keep reminding myself how long it took for us to just be able to vote. So, yeah. Men have had a different route. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. 
This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. <laughs> and, you know, I think a lot, too, about, like, the uh, simple traditions of a wedding ceremony. Yeah. And I was really kind of blown away by Meghan and Harry getting married recently. Oh, I was obsessed with the visuals. Like, it's fascinating. Like, oh, my God. She's, yeah. like, taking it back. I love this. <laughs> um, but anyway. But, no, I think I never viewed myself as a very maternal person at all. Mm-hmm. And, I like, I didn't know how to hold Jack at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how to do anything. And now that he's older... I feel like I, you know, we, I love, it's not that I didn't love being around him at all, but I just wasn't a great caretaker. Because I wasn't really into babies. Yeah. I mean, I did what I had to do. It's kind of something you just want to get through. Is this like, are we just the cat people? Well, I mean, people assume like, because I was like an attachment parenting person and I'm like a lactation educator and I had a home birth that like, I'm like, earth mother, like patient goddess kind of hippie. No, I'm the other kind of hippie that like, these are the things I believe in and I have conviction about them. That doesn't mean that it's fun to nurse all night for four years. You know, like those aren't things that are, that come naturally to many of us. And I know women who love babies. That's not my experience. It's just a need machine. And even when it's yours and like, it's so special, those are hard years. And some women have a lot more patience I thought I'd have more. I did the best I could. It was hard. It was very hard. But I find that it's much more interesting when they are are talking and having a sense of humor and being like, do the Cockney accent, mama. It's (laughs) like, I need my child to surprise me. Come on, do something interesting. (laughs) This pooping, sleeping, crying thing's getting old. I'm an interesting person. Why aren't you? (laughs) Yeah. And I think also like those are feelings that a lot of women don't think to express. And I think even the conversation about postpartum depression, which needs to be had, you know, that's a real thing. That's a scientific thing. And there's so much about women's health in particular that um, we really have been ashamed to talk about. And that's what I'm hoping this kind of new wave of progressive thinking, especially about women, can help us do, you know, to be able to say like, you know what, not every woman falls in love with the baby the second it comes out. Like sometimes it takes months. And for some of us, we can't wait till those years are over so that we can find ourselves again. Like that's also legitimate. It doesn't make us not as good mothers. It doesn't make us less feminine, less whatever that's the scope of like the variety of being female and being human, you know? I think for me, like it was jarring, uh, like the shift of identity, like uh, feeling like, okay, I, you know, I've been acting, uh, I've been making my own money for, for years. I've hustled. I'm an entrepreneur and I've, and I've fought to have a, a living doing something that I love, which is, I, I was on my own. Um, so then to have that feeling of succeeding and then to have the shift abruptly move. <laughs> I love it that you're laughing because I no, know that you can relate. No, because you're, you're describing so well 
that shift in identity. Like that's it. Like imagine if you have a whole life and identity that's like successful and and then it's like here, do something you've never done before that you have no training for. You also don't get paid for it and you're probably going to do it wrong and then feel guilty. Plus you have all these hormones making you feel bananas. And then you have random fears that like, what if I drop the baby and it rolls down the stairs in a way that a baby's never rolled down the stairs before? Like that does not feel normal for those of us who were raised to be empowered, independent women who achieve. But like, imagine looking at it. This is why being a parent is humbling because I couldn't get this child to just take a goddamn nap. You know, like I can get a PhD in neuroscience, but I can't figure out like why you're pooping at the time that I didn't think you'd poop. And it makes us feel really powerless, you know, like it's humbling. Even as we're talking about this, though, I usually feel like a sleeping bag of guilt all the time. But I feel guilty that um, when we podcast with dads, we don't talk about this. And I, I hope, like, my justification is that I hope that our, our our listeners can get some value out of this conversation, this dialogue. Mm-hmm. But I do feel guilty dominating this conversation about motherhood because it sort of reinforces the idea that um, a father won't be grilled about loss of identity. Well, or like, right. And I think you're, you're right. And, you know, it's my, my ex-husband is a stay-at-home dad. And... You know, he really dislikes when people are like, oh, you're babysitting the children. He's like, no, I'm being their parent, you know, or when people are like, wow, you made them lunch. That's he's like, yeah, that's what that's what parents do, you know. So I think it it works both ways. But I also think that, you know, for all of human history, like women weren't given access to the outside world in many cases. We were we were we were told to make children when we were literally fertile as soon as possible that was our job to make as many babies as you could because so many would die. Right? I mean, like these are things that we don't think about. So the the wonderful progress of the women's movement, you know, is that we can have that independence and yet we're still being expected to, kind of, you know, raise children like we're on the prairie. You know? And yeah. raising children alone or with a man is not the way women have ever done it in history, except the last couple hundred years. Putting a man and a woman together with a child and saying like, figure it out. That's really not normal. Remember that for that hot sex you yeah, had exactly. a few now, months ago? Right. Now do this. And, you know, women usually raise children with other women and with friends and right. yes. like other, if you couldn't breastfeed, someone else would for you. Like that made sense for primates because that's how we're programmed. If I, I don't I'm, want a man around me all the time. I'm <laughs> like, 41 and I don't think, I'm not sure I can get pregnant again due to my incredibly healthy lifestyle. <laughs> but but if I did, Maya, yes. would you breastfeed my <laughs> baby? I'm going to go on record and say, yes, I would. Thank you. Yes, Thank I you. would. So, and but. if I couldn't, I'd find someone who could. <laughs> oh, you're well connected. Yes. <laughs> the sisterhood is alive and well. I'll take any milk I can get. That's right. We do a segment called Deal Breakers. Okay. There was something else I wanted to ask you about. Me taking your cat oh, home I, is a deal I, breaker. I wanted, and I don't know if this is of too much interest, but I wanted advice about um, the multicam world. <laughs> you seem like you're doing pretty good. Um, okay, so do you feel like doing a deal breaker game? And then we're going to get to a couple of callers. I'm going to say yes. Okay. So um, I won't inquire, but imagine that you're single. Okay. 
And here are the deal breakers. Ooh, this is fun. Okay. Okay. I hope you think so. <laughs> He's a flat earth enthusiast. Oh, deal breaker. <laughs> deal breaker. Okay. All right. All right. I want someone who knows that the earth is round. Okay. But what if his, what if his rationale? Wow. Go is, ahead. Can't wait to hear what you're about to say. Is that um, the human eye is really limited. And you know how flies and bees have like 8 million eyes. Oh. And uh, so they see their optics are like... If he's um, given it that much thought, I'm going to go for date two. You are? Yeah. Yeah. If there's that much thought and it becomes more of like a philosophical perception, like what is vision? I'm cool with date two, maybe even date three. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. You, you changed my mind. But listen, I, I'm, uh, I'm not sure he's for me, but. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering if he is you. <laughs> That, that was pretty convincing. <laughs> Just wanted to make it a little challenging, you know? Yes, I will go out on a date with you. <laughs> on the first date, he reviews your book. Oh. I actually went on a date with a guy <laughs> who actually sent me a picture after our date of him, like, at the bookstore, looking at my book in the bookstore. I was like, no, that's weird. <laughs> It's too I meta. I kind of think it's sweet. I, I couldn't it depends decide. On the he date. was. He was. If, if the date yeah, went yeah. well, then no, it would he, be cute. I, it, it was okay. Uh, you know. Have you talked about it during the date? No, and it went well. no. Oh, you guys didn't I don't want to talk about my book during the okay. date. No, I don't really like to talk about myself that way because so much of me slash us is like in the public that I want to talk about things that you didn't learn from Instagram if we're on a date. Yes. Keep that in mind. Okay. All right. All right. Um, on the first date, he brings you flowers and says, I brought you some blossoms. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say, not a deal breaker, meaning that would be okay. Uh-huh. But I think that I would use my God-given talents to express with my face. I don't think that's very funny. <laughs> That's something if but it happened like, a second time, like deal pe- breaker. They're like peony blossoms. They're beautiful. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> let's stop using the word blossoms. Let's take it out of your vocabulary. Use a different word. Flowers is a word that people use. What if he said, when, when was your blossom taken? How old were you? Wow. <laughs> that is no. First, no. That, no, that's not an expression I want anyone to use. But, but you get points for creativity. <laughs> oh God. Um okay. Old, very old also. <laughs> um he his favorite food is veal. I'm gonna say not not a deal breaker, but definitely something I would prefer not to interact with. But my hope would be that, you know. With one carefully selected 30-second video, we could probably eliminate veal as the favorite food. (laughs) I just love the idea of some guy walking into your place and being like, babe, can you make veal tonight? No. No. And also... Babe, come on. Babe, they're going to die anyway. My house is vegan, but, you know, people get to do what they want, you know. 
out in the world. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> see, I'm sorry. These are so fucked up. These are um, good. This is interesting. He used to be a priest. Not a deal breaker. Okay. I mean, depends on why he's not a priest anymore. Oh, <laughs> he wanted to. Sorry. I watched The Keepers on Netflix. It kind of changed my life. Um, no, he left the priesthood because he started to question. Are the these real people who have contacted God? you and would like you to ask me these questions? Nope, they're all dishes. I'm fine. Fucked up people in am, Cassie's head. I'm, <laughs> I'm fine with people questioning the existence of God. Most of my favorite Jewish philosophers have done the same. Um, okay, all right. <laughs> you, you don't like that answer, but no, it's true. I I do. No, yeah, no, no, that's no, no, not no. a deal breaker. What if he's an atheist? Fine. Okay. Yeah. Right, cool. I mean, you can call it whatever you want. Sun's going to come up tomorrow. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure, yeah. <laughs> I can call that divine and someone else can just call it the sun. That's fine. All right, but we it can could all be the asteroid that's hitting <laughs> that flat earth. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear what you're going to say next. <laughs> um, I think I only have one more. Oh, I love it that you love this. I do love this. Okay, okay, okay. His name is Grant. He has four kids and they all call him by his first name. <laughs> Deal breaker because his name is Grant. <laughs> Grant, can I have Cheerios? <laughs> Grant, I'm gonna be late. I have. I Grant, have, where's I, my backpack? I have friends who call their parents by their first name. Yeah, I I do uh, too. But I like the idea of this. If this Grant, like his four kids, are all under the age of eight, why couldn't you make his name Dick? Because I think that would be a more interesting question. <laughs> that all his kids call him Dick. Dick. <laughs> I don't want to sweep. <laughs> also deal breaker. Dick, did you put your dick in blossom? <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. I think that is the know, last deal breaker are, are, are question. You ever, Thank are you, you all for you, playing. Will you ever come back? Oh I will. This podcast was going so well. You two are going to be best friends. This is going to be amazing. No, no. I'm so worried that you're going to be so offended. You'll never I am not. Like I'm actually, again. even though I'm like a thought of as a very snowflakey person, I'm actually very hard to offend. I love that. Yeah. I am too. And I'm not making dick jokes and talking about your virginity, but you know, it's all about perspective. <laughs> So, um, so we talked to strangers have submitted question, relationship okay. questions. Okay. So we're going to call Alyssa now and Alyssa is in Florida and she's 23. Make it a little bit louder. Sim always thinks it's important to say age and I, we've argued about this, but so I, and you know I, actually agree, I actually agree with you now. Okay. Hello. Hey, Alyssa. Hey. It's Sim. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing really well. I'm going to introduce you to Anna right now. Hi, Alyssa. Hi, Anna. It's so great to talk to you. Oh, you too. And thanks so much for, for doing this and sharing sharing part of your life. I so appreciate it. And we are here with Mayim Bialik. Hello. Hi. Hi. I was, re- I was really proud that I said your name correctly. I was right? too. The- Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to health care, it pays to be extra. 
and United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Thank you. You, you gave me, Alyssa, um, Mayim just gave me a thumbs up. <laughs> awesome. Everyone's doing a great job. <laughs> so, Alyssa, the subject of your email is a girl in every port. What to do when you find out that you're the other woman? So tell us what you mean by that. What's going on? Yeah. Um, so I am being single and independent, which is interesting and fun. And um, I was out drinking one night with a friend and we met a boy at a bar and he was really funny and interesting and smart. So we invited him to sit with us and uh, him and I just hit it off really well, really quickly. And we ended up um, going on quite a few dates, and then we started seeing each other really regularly. Um, But kind of like the catch was that he is in the military, and he was going to be leaving in about a month and a half. Um, But we liked each other so much that we were like, let's just do this thing for a month and a half. And then when you leave, you leave. But we had this great experience together. so we were seeing each other really regularly, um, usually one, always once a week, but usually two or three times. And uh, kind of by the end of it, he was saying a lot of things like, I'm really falling for you, and I wish we had more time together, and um, you're kind of like the best thing that happened here. I don't want to leave you. And so um, when it was time for him to go, we talked about being in touch and how he was going to like send me presents from Europe when he was deployed and all of this stuff. Um, and then a couple of weeks went by and we hadn't really talked at all since he left and he popped up on my uh, Facebook recommended friends. Uh, when he was here, he didn't have any social media. So I figured he made it um, for when he was deployed. It would just be the easiest way to keep in touch with people. Um, and so I clicked on his profile and there is a girl in his profile picture with him. And so I was like, okay, yeah, he's in the military. Military guys tend to kind of move fast sometimes. Um, and it's slowing down, and I saw that they were engaged. And I was like, oh, well, that would be, yeah, really fast. Um, so I clicked kind of on his info, and it showed that they'd been engaged since February, and he was hanging out with me and, like, April, early May. Um, so I just, I guess I'm wondering if I should reach out to her in any way. I feel like um, maybe she deserves to make an informed decision about what she's doing, but I also don't want to like ruin her happiness by telling her about the situation. Okay, so I have a question. Yeah, yeah, go. Did you participate in any activities? <laughs> That might endanger someone else's health. Um, 
Meaning, I'm if not- you didn't, if you didn't use protection, for example, which some people don't, and then he was with her, that's something I might think about as an added concern that I might feel a moral obligation to. Yeah, there wasn't a situation like that. Um, okay, I uh, think he was being careful. So, when was the last you've spoken to him, or, or had any kind of? Yeah, no. Um, so he left about probably two, three weeks ago, um, and that was the last time we really talked. So I think before you do anything with her, which I'm not sure I would advise in general, it could be perceived as an act of, even though I'm sure on your end it's sort of an act of like caring, but it could be perceived as an act of revenge. Um, so, because you're hurt, obviously anyone, anyone would be, but, um, I, I think it's really interesting that he didn't have, or that he told you that he didn't have social media when clearly he does. And it sounds to me like maybe he had been involved with this other girl for a while. I mean, I'm 41 and I feel like I barely have social media and it's only because people force me to. But most young people are really active on social media. So to me, that that was. Did you ever feel like that was kind of a red flag? Like, did he ever give an explanation about that? Um. Yeah, it sort of seemed odd, but he was kind of an odd person. So it felt like he was making this weird like statement of like, I don't need social media. I'm an individual. I just kind of accepted that. Yeah. That that does seem. Huh. Like yeah, it it seems like a red flag, and it, when he clearly does. And I think too. another element that I think is I just kind of want to like hold for you um, is that it's one thing to kind of like meet someone or hook up, and you don't know, and like they're engaged, and that's their thing, and that's like really messed up. But the fact that he was kind of laying it on really thick, like the I'm having feelings for you, and I think I'm falling for you, like. That's a level that he may have been having confusion about. Sure. You know, I mean, yeah. he, that that may have been true, but the the lack of honesty in communicating that just really sucks. There's nothing you can do about it, but I just kind of want to like say like, woman to woman, that really really sucks. Yeah, and I think that. Um, do you know when he gets back? Does he get back? Oh, I would reach out to him absolutely on Facebook and be like. Hey, seems like you're engaged and you were with me when you're engaged. That's fucked up. I don't know that I could resist doing that. Uh, well, that in that but that's the Keeping big question because um because that that is that is the question though because I think a more powerful long-term move is uh, we talk a lot about on the podcast about how you rarely get satisfaction from a partner that's Oh, hurt. stop being so mature. I can I'm you know that I'm not. <laughs> I just pretend to be, <laughs> but, um, because you, you know, you don't you, like, like it's, okay, it's very, right. it's very hard to get satisfaction from, uh, especially because he sounds like, you know, like he's pretty good at manipulating and, and telling, and, and I'm sure that he did have feelings for you, but he's involved in something else. And so, and he's also and lying. Dishonest. Yeah. He, he's deceptive. So I, I think, um, may, I think it, at the very least, I, I, what I think you should do as being like the 41-year-old nerd or whatever I am is re- like resist all temptation to contact either of them 
and don't um, follow him on social media. No. And if you do decide to reach out to him, I would write something like, Hey, I'm not sure that you, you were really honest with me. Um, how about, I'm sure you weren't honest with me. I'm (laughs) sorry. Well, because, because I just wonder if a gentler approach would actually get him to be more honest as opposed to being like, you know, whatever, like I'm shutting this down. You'll never get a response or an answer. And, you know, my dear listeners know that I don't really believe in closure because I don't think that heartbreak can ever really be healed, but it's good for growth. I really believe in that. But I think you should do one of two things. One, don't contact him again. And when he gets back, he'll probably contact you. And then, um, and then you write to us again, (laughs) (laughs) or maybe talk to people who are more qualified. (laughs) But two, if you do reach out to him, I would just be interested in how his lies would proceed. Like, (laughs) I mean, that would be, and I, and I, I do not advocate curiosity because it's only gotten me into trouble in the past, but it'd be interesting to hear what his explanation was. That's like. You know, so something that didn't put him immediately on the defense, so he would never contact you again. But something like, you know, I saw some pictures. Um, Seems like you're I, engaged. I, I, I feel like you weren't. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like you weren't upfront. Yeah. Do you have you know, five children? The Alanis Morissette song "You Ought to Know" might be good to <laughs> cue up. But ever you young kids, Sim, listen what to would music you say? As as I purposely stayed away from this one. I don't know if I should answer for her. I mean, I know this guy is a complete piece of shit. So one of the concerns I'm having now, and I'm getting a lot of feedback, just saying that you guys are always knocking men. And it's my fault because the calls that I'm picking, uh, you know, these guys are all fucking assholes. And male listeners, will you please ask questions? No, right, but but there's some great great guys out there. And this guy is one of them. Of course there's great guys out there. So before, you know, I would... But if you have a great guy, you don't necessarily need to call into Unqualified and be like, hey, I want to brag about my fucking awesome boyfriend. Thank you. Thank you for making that call. We wouldn't take that call. (laughs) Right. Thank you. I'm just trying to produce a show here. (laughs) I appreciate that. So do I beat up on you? <laughs> I kind of do. <gasps> oh, Sim, I'm sorry. She should Can never I- contact him again. She should never contact this woman and just move on and just know that this guy is a terrible person. Yeah. And, and- don't trust men. <laughs> no, no, she trust men. <laughs> trust most men. Please, men are amazing. No, but listen, you, you um, like by contacting her, there's it's two things. It's like being the messenger is a very, very delicate position that um, should only be used in very rare circumstances. Number two, it will get back to him and you will be viewed as a, a weaker party member in, in this whole and it won't feel triangle. Good. And revenge is the poison you drink. Yeah, and she'll be else. like, that bitch. And he'll be like, he'll tell this girl, he'll be like, we didn't even do anything. I don't know why this girl's like spreading lies or whatever. Like, And then you'll be caught up as being in a place that I, I just don't want you to be in. Does that make mm-hmm. sense at all? Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, if you can resist not having any contact with him, that would be my advice. I know that it's it's not easy, but... Um, and you can call me later. <laughs> all uh, ties are cut with him completely. Like that's all the way done. Kind of as soon as I found out, it was just, I wasn't sure if, she deserved to know before she married him kind of what he was up to. Um, but I also don't want to 
she's you know, like that person. Yeah, and because you know what, I, I I don't know if this is true or not, but I've, I bet they that, know. So, yeah, some sometimes you know I, I spent a lot of my youth not listening to my gut, and and maybe she's doing the same thing. And um, but I I just don't want to put you in a position of vulnerability where where suddenly you're made out to be a bad guy and you know, this girl is like whatever spreading things about you because if she wants to convince herself that her fiance or whatever is a good guy, that's what she's going to do. And nothing will stop her. (laughs) (laughs) That harkens back Alyssa to an earlier conversation. (gasps) Alyssa, I'm sorry though. I'm sorry that, um, that he made you feel vulnerable and that you guys had this, you know, some intimate times, and I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you're not going to marry him. You know. Thank you, Alyssa. Yeah, thank you. Alyssa, thank you so much. Thank Alyssa, you. I love you, and please keep us posted. We will love you too. Thank you. You're not alone. Believe you me, this has happened. Yep. To all of us. Yep. <laughs> Bye, Alyssa. Bye. Bye. Mayim, do you have time for one more call? Do you need sure. to leave? Okay, so we'll do this one quickly. Yeah. And we can wrap it up. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks a lot. For doing is of are course. you guys sure you're okay? Yeah, yeah, okay. Maybe okay, yeah. All right, so we're gonna call Colleen next. Colleen. And let me know when you're ready, Laura. It's funny, Mayim, you like gave like kind of harsher advice than most of uh our dudes too. Oh. Like yeah, it was good. Yeah. Uh, I like it. Oh, yeah. let's call Colleen now. Colleen is in Utah and she's twenty five. Hello? Hey, Colleen. It's Sim. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Anna, say hi. Hi, it's Anna. Hi, Anna. Hi, and I'm here with Mayam Bialik. Hi. Uh, did I do it right you again? Did it, you did it right. Oh, hi. Uh, but hi. I stumbled a little bit. A little bit, but that's okay. <laughs> so, Colleen, we're going to get right to it. So tell us what's going on with your friends. Yeah. So I have this really great friend, um, Hannah, um, when we first met, like we instantly connected, it got along really well. Um, we met each other through school. Um, and so we've gone months without seeing each other, but we always get back together and it's just instant friendship again. Um, and we met our other friend, Carrie, about a year and a half ago. And I guess last summer I went home and they stayed at school and got to know each other better. Um, it was awesome. When I got back, school um just our entire friendship dynamic had shifted um we have a large friend group and we all joke that they're like a married couple um they're kind of linked at the hip they just do everything together and it's awesome they're such great friends um but it's just personally hard for me because hannah i love her and she's awesome but when carrie's around it's just a different dynamic like i get the vibe that maybe she doesn't like me and so it's just this awful shift um and the best way I can describe it is like when your really good friend gets into a relationship um, and you feel like the third wheel, but it's normal. Like I never have an issue with that, but it's just harder when it's a friendship because I want to be um, close to both of them, but I just feel like Carrie doesn't like me. Um, and so my question is, is like, do I talk to them about it? Um, how would I approach them? Or do I just not talk to them about it? Do I distance myself from it? Um, but I don't want to because I love them both. And especially because Carrie's my roommate, so I can't really distance myself from it. Okay, so, oh, okay. Well, first of all, 
you are not alone. This is this such is so a familiar com- to me. Yes, and I think to everybody, um, but especially as uh, I don't mean to do a, like know, a gender thing, but it's, but it's a it's, thing. It is. It is. And um, and so wait, is are any of you guys in a relationship that's not you know besides like friendship? Like, does anybody have a boyfriend mm-hmm. or a girlfriend? Uh, not currently, no. Mm-mm. Okay, so everyone's kind of leaning on each other a little bit, and and you're right though. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and of course you're missing your friend, um, and of course this is difficult. Oh gosh, I, I, I don't know. Like, because friendships inevitably they they go in waves. You have like an intense best friend for a year and then whatever circumstances change as you get older, you get job, whatever, like all, all kinds of things change. And then you become really close with somebody else and people serve different purposes in your life at different times. But I know that pain. I feel like I was the third wheel, like, uh, all, all my life until I went to Hollywood huh. and became an actress <laughs> But well, I became a, I became a unicycle on my own wheel now. <laughs> but no, no, no. But it, but it is, it is painful. God, it's so painful. I don't know if um, there's a conversation that needs to be had because sometimes when this happens, it's an organic expression of a shift in people's needs and alliances. It doesn't mean that it has to be bad or you know hurtful meaning you don't need to get mad. There may not be that kind of interaction necessary. Um, but part of it I think is about acceptance that things are going to shift and this is a shift that may be permanent and it may not be. Um, but I do think that if things get ratcheted up with the roommate, um, that you will need to address separately and say, I'm, you know, using I statements, I'm feeling like there's some hostility. Is there something I'm doing you know, that's upsetting you, but I don't know that you can try and, I remember this happened with Varvara Tellis and Elizabeth Lee when I was in fifth grade and like all of a sudden they were an item. They were besties and I was out of the loop and it was so painful. And even at 42, this stuff still happens. It is part of the complexity, sorry, Sim, of female dynamics, really complicated. Yeah. But I so know the pain of, of that loneliness and suddenly feeling like you were so close to somebody and suddenly they have like inside jokes with the other person. Like your current and best friend's going to feel that way about me after this podcast. They're going to be like, I, why I are Anna and my own besties? I, I don't have any friends. I'd be honored if you would be my best <laughs> friend. It'll happen to one of us with someone else that we become friends with. <laughs> but no, it's, and you know what, what probably will happen is for some for some reason uh, the girl that is isn't quite as inclusive with you um, probably will that that kind of dynamic is a little bit bound to minorly implode <laughs> and you may have so your your original friend that you felt really close to will probably realize that she needs you for uh, some kind of whatever kind of crisis or Or that she'll miss that connection. She'll miss the connection. Exactly. But, um, but, but so I, I think, I think the only advice 
that I have for you is to be patient. And I know it's lonely and I know that it sucks. And I would, I would pursue other friendships Mm -hmm. and reach out to other people and enjoy the things that you can still take pleasure in with these friendships because it doesn't have to be all or nothing. That's what I've learned. Friendships shift. And sometimes someone that you thought was going to be your bestie forever becomes someone that you speak to every other week instead of every day or every other, every couple months. And it can still be beneficial in a different way. I remember my best that may be happening in my life friend because right <laughs> i i'm the kind of person that has like one really intense friendship and uh, that's kind of the way i've always been and it anyway i remember she got another friend and they wrote a journal about me and they left it out where i could see it and it was so it was so painful but I missed her friendship so much. Like I couldn't, I remember even through that pain, like I didn't want to let her go. Um, and eventually she came back, but um, I'm really grateful that you called because I think that this is something that we all deal with versions of this. Totally. And it sounds like you're a really good friend and there's a lot of people out there. Maybe if you feel up for it, maybe you can sort of expand your social circle. And maybe there's some people in your life that you had maybe overlooked. This w- isn't just limited to women, by the way. Right. I, I was, I've, yeah. I've experienced this. I've yeah. experienced this with some of my college buddies. And let me ask you this. Have they ever done anything without you? Like gone out and do things where you're not included, where they haven't invited you? Just do things on their own? Yeah, yeah, they, they have. See, that's the, that crushes me. Yeah. And that's when you yeah. know something's up. And the way I dealt with it is like, well, no, fuck it. Then I'll just go hang out with other people. Yeah. So And guys also tend to kind of have different activities that they do, right. which makes some of that more fluid. And I don't want to say easier, but different. Yeah. You know, yes. dudes will sometimes like reconnect by like, let's watch a game together. Or right. like, let, you know, right. whereas women we'll forget like, about it. We'll forget about that. Instance. Right. But women, we, we want to engage deeply with each other. Like we want to feel connection and have it be enduring and in a different way. You know, but anyway. But yeah, it's it's um, relationships, whether you're with like an intimate partner or friendships, they are rarely 50-50. And there's a constant shift of, of power dynamic. And it sounds like one girl sort of wants to, for whatever reason, um, feel more dominant over your original friend and that's her way of sort of gaining power or whatever. I I truly, I I hope that we get a lot of feedback from this because I know that this is such a good question. Yeah. Something that I've experienced. Everyone's experienced a degree of this. Anyone who's human has, (laughs) um, Colleen, thank you so much. Yeah. I I know. I wish I could give you like, really, I wish I could give you practical advice, but the only thing I can tell you is that, that you're just, that you're not alone, that every, everyone's, Oh, uh, like, you know, that's so nice. Like definitely like the reason I wrote in was just because like sometimes you feel like you're the only one that's feeling that, but it's good to know that. No, <laughs> no. And, and you know what? And I guarantee you there's going to be a time when your original friend is going to need you. And I hope that dur- during that time, and it, it might, it really might be a, a while from now, but I hope that you can, um, help her and be her friend and, and then eventually say like, Hey, that was a painful, I missed you a lot. That was a little, that was a little painful for me. And with the, you know, maybe without making her feel too guilty, but, um, 
but but maybe you know at some point you can express that to her because right now I think that the dialogue might might not be worth it I don't know do you guys agree yeah, yeah. I agree because I, I just don't want you to be and, vulnerable yeah oh Colleen I love you I feel for you so much you like brought me right back to some painful times <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, so thank you Colleen <laughs> but I love you and thank you, thank and, you. and please keep us posted Updated. Yeah. Wait, do people say yeah. posted no, anymore? No, no, I, no, she understood <laughs> that. <laughs> Thank okay. you, Colleen. All right. I love Bye. you. Thank you. Bye. Maya, thank you so much for doing thank this. Thank you. This was really awesome. So much fun. You're thank really you. Enjoyable. You're incredible. This was, I really enjoyed this. Thanks. I hope are we best friends? Back. Of course we are. I love that. As I really as, want you two to be best friends. <laughs> yeah, but Sim, what if you get edged out? <laughs> and what if I, I, I might get edged out. That's okay. What if I, I want to call into the show and complain. <laughs> what if I steal her cat? Will I not be your best friend if I steal your cat? No, you actually, you would be, would be even closer. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Good night to your listeners. I love you. 